Welcome to the Healing Your Soul podcast with Katie Souza. This program is designed for those eager for the supernatural to flow in their lives, as well as to have a healthy soul. Would you join Katie as she shares from scripture and experience the critical importance of a well soul? We've got a great new episode planned for you, so let's dive into today's show. In these programs, we are focusing on our souls and how our souls get wounded through things like sin and trauma. That's what the Bible says. And how those wounds in our soul cause all different kinds of an assortment of issues and problems in our life. Everything from the way you think to the way you feel to your family, to your business, to your ministry, to your physical health, to your financial prosperity, all those different areas of your life and more. Many more things are affected by woundedness that's inside of our soul. And in this program, we're going to talk about how demonic influence can gain access to your life if you have a wound inside your soul that's in common with that spirit. And how when you get your soul healed, you will instantly, instantly, instantly have a new level of dominion over that assignment. How many of you have battled with with the kingdom of darkness? How many of you have gotten frustrated while you were battling? Frustrated. You'll sit there and you'll do everything you know how to do. You, you bind, you rebuke, you fast, you pray, you plead the blood, you do everything you can think of, and the assailment is still there. How many of you have gone through that? It's true, isn't it? It's so frustrating. It's exhausting. You can get to the point where you, you can't even think. You can't even see straight. You're so disheartened. You're weakened. You feel like you can't say in the name of Jesus one more time because you get so tired from the battle. Is it true? You rebuke until your rebuker's broken. Is it true? It is, isn't it? It's so frustrating. Why? Why is that? Doesn't the Bible say that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow? It's true. That's what the Bible says, but it just doesn't seem like it works like that. We say in the name of Jesus, but that spirit still is able to remain. How can that be? Is it any fault in the name of Jesus or in the power of Jesus? Absolutely not. There's never any weakness in Christ. Never. So the problem must lie where? In us. Now, is it in our spirit, man? Absolutely not, because our spirit is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Right? So where would it be? It's probably in our soul. And it's true. In actuality, and we're going to see from the Bible, that the enemy gains a legal right to attack us in our minds or our finances or our families or our physical bodies through woundedness that comes upon our soul through sin or trauma. Okay? Let's look at Psalm 143 because it shows us the place in our life that the enemy targets. It is our soul. It says, for the enemy has pursued and persecuted my soul. 
He has crushed my life down to the ground. He has made me to dwell in dark places as those who have long been dead. See, demonic powers are looking for a legal ride in. They're looking for a landing strip. They're looking for access into your life, and they cannot get it through your born-again spirit man. So where do they get it? They get it here. Because there are wounds inside of us that came from sin, which is an open door to the enemy, and from trauma and tragedy. And when the soul is wounded, it provides a landing strip for the enemy to come in and assail us in every part of our life. They can even attack your physical body. Let's look at an example. With the woman in Luke 13, we talked about it before. Remember, she was bowed over with a spirit of infirmity. It says that in verse 10 that Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. This woman had a spirit on her. It literally bent her spine over. She was bent over for 18 years like that. It was a spirit doing it to her. Can you imagine that? What would possibly give that spirit the legal right to do it? Well, it wasn't her spirit man because the Bible indicates to a degree that she was born again because Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham, meaning she was a blessed woman, a righteous woman of God. Amen? So what was it? It was something in her soul. And how do we know? Because the Bible says this. That it was a, quote, spirit of infirmity that had been to her over for 18 years. If you look up the word infirmity in the Strong's Concordance, it means this. Weakness and infirmity of the body and of the soul. Say, infirmity can be in your body, but it can also be in your soul. It means weakness and infirmity of the body and of the soul. She had a wound in her soul that allowed a spirit to come upon her and afflict her physical body. See, right now we're battling with spirits. And we can't get rid of them. Because that wound is inside of us. There's an there's a injury inside our inner man, a place inside our soul that has given the enemy the right to make war with us. And we will not win the war unless the wound gets healed. Amen? When the wound gets healed, the legal right is shut off. And then that spirit has to leave. Notice Jesus said, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. What was he doing right there? He was healing her in what? Not just body, but also soul. Because that word infirmity means weakness of the body and of the soul. He was healing her not just here. He was healing her in here. When he said, woman, you are loose from your infirmity, he was speaking to her soul. He was healing her soul. And when her soul got healed, what happened? That spirit had to go, didn't it? Instantly, it said, instantly, she was able to stand up straight. Because once the infirmity in here was ministered to, then the spirit had to depart. You know, we think, well, Jesus could do things easily and he could cast demons out because he was Jesus. You know, he has an easy time of it because he was, he's the Lord. Well, actually, no. Do you know that God predestined, prearranged that Jesus would come here to planet earth and would live here on earth just like us? You know that, right? 
Let's look at that in Philippians 2, okay? It's, it shows in this scripture that Jesus came to earth as a human being. Okay, now listen to what it says. In verse 7 it says, But Jesus stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant, of a slave, and that he became like men and was born a human being. Wow! I love reading that verse. It gives me so much hope. See, Jesus on purpose, on purpose, God had Jesus come as a human being. He stripped himself of all his rightful dignity so he could come as a human being. Why? So that he could show us that we could do everything he did. Doesn't that give you so much excitement and hope? Woo! So that we would know we could do everything he did. He came here as a man, a man without sin. He had to be. He had to come to earth as a man without sin. You know why? Because if he didn't, he could not have been the atoning sacrifice for the rest of mankind. He had to come as a man without sin. But since he came as a man, this gives us so much help and so much encouragement because it means Jesus was built just like us. He, he had a body and a soul and a spirit. He was a three-part being just like us. And he, as a three-part being with a, a body and a soul and a spirit, had dominion over every single devil that he ever dealt with, didn't he? So how? How did he do it? Because if he came as a human being, how come he had total dominion over all the devils and we don't? You know why? Because Jesus' spirit was perfect. We get our perfected spirit from him, right? But unlike us, his soul was perfect too. He had no wound in his soul. The Bible says he was without sin, correct? What makes wounds in your soul? Sin. Sin wounds the soul. So Jesus had no sin, so that means he had no wound in his soul. So see, he had no place for the enemy to target. Remember what it says in Psalm 143? The enemy pursues and persecutes our soul. See, that's what the enemy does. He pursues and he persecutes our soul. He has a, an ability to be able to look at you and see where there is a place inside of you that is wounded. See, he was there back in 1963 when, when you were rejected by your father, when he left your, your home, or when you were molested by your neighbor. He was there. The enemy was there and he saw all that happening to you and he knows where the wounds are that are in your soul. He's been around for a long time and he's been watching you. And he knows where those wounds are. So he knows where the weaknesses are in your soul that he can attack. But Jesus had no wound in his soul. And that's why Jesus had total dominion over the enemy. Let me prove it to you. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, okay? He says this, I will not talk with you much more for the prince, the evil genius ruler of the world is coming, and he has no claim on me. Now listen to this. He has nothing in common with me. He has nothing in me that belongs to him. So he has no power over me. Think about it. Amen. Jesus saying, look. Satan's coming, but I don't have anything in me that's in common, so he has no power over me. There was nothing in Jesus' spirit. There was nothing in Jesus' soul 
There was nothing in Jesus that was in common with the enemy, and that is why the enemy had no power over him. He came as a man. He came as a man. And he's showing us in this statement how we as men can have total power over the enemy. We will when we have nothing in common with the enemy. Did you hear what I said? Now let me prove it to you further. You see the truth of this scripture in John 14 happening all over the place in the gospels. Let's just look at a couple examples. Luke 4, starting in verse 33, it says this. Now in the synagogue there was a man who was possessed by a foul spirit of a demon, and he cried out with a loud, terrible cry, Oh, let us alone. What have you to do with us? What have we in common? Jesus, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then it says Jesus rebuked him and said, Be silent, be muzzled, be gagged, and come out of him. And the demon threw the man down in their midst, and he came out of him without injuring him in any possible way. So here's the man named Jesus. He re this demon spews out a statement to him. Jesus rebukes him, and the demon instantly flees. How would you like that to happen when you're doing warfare? Just that easy, just like that. Bam, be muzzled, now get, get out. And it goes. Amen, do you like that? You know how you do it? The demon told us. The demon told us how Jesus, as a man, did it so easy. What did he say? Oh, Jesus, what have we in common? That spirit's recognizing the truth of what Jesus said in John 14. The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me that's in common with him, so he has no power over me. This is how we get a whole new level of dominion. We get healed in our souls. We get healed of the woundedness inside of us that, that is allowing demonic spirits to have dominion over us. And this is how we get victory when we pray for other peeps. Right now, have you ever gone to try to help a friend or a loved one or somebody you just met at, you know, the grocery store? And you're trying to do a little deliverance on them up in the parking lot? <laughs> but it sadly fails and you feel horrible as you walk away and they're still under bondage as you leave? Why? Because there might have been something in you that was in common with the person you were praying for. And that spirit that is on them will not leave because you have something in common. So it's looking at you as you're trying to bind and rebuke this spirit off of this person. And it's looking at you saying, I don't have to leave. I'm on both of y'all. Good luck with that. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We want spirits to cry out, oh, what is there in common between us? Have you come here to destroy us? Amen? Let's look at another example. It's in Mark 5. Now this is a great story because it's about one of the most biggest, powerful, meanest, ugliest, nastiest demons on the planet. The spirit of legion. 6,000 strong. But legion ends up bending the knee to this man named Jesus. And it's because this man had nothing in his soul that was in common with legion. Let's look at it. I'll start at verse 1. So they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. 
And as soon as he got out of the boat, there met him a man out of the tombs under the power of an unclean spirit. This man continually lived among the tombs, and no one could subdue him anymore, even with a chain. For he had been bound often with the shackles for the feet and handcuffs, but the handcuffs of light chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he rubbed and ground together. And he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength enough to restrain or tame him. Night and day he was among the tombs, beating and bruising and cutting himself with stones. And when from a distance he saw Jesus, he ran and fell on his knees before him in homage. And this is what he said. Now listen. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? What is there in common? Between us, I implore you, do not torment me. Wow. This is a big, old, nasty spirit, 6,000 strong, begging Jesus, the man named Jesus, not to torment him. Why? Why is the spirit so afraid of this man named Jesus? He says it right there, because there was nothing in common between them. He too, like the spirit in the synagogue and the man that Jesus healed in the synagogue, he too is realizing the truth of what Jesus said in John 14. The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me that's in common with him, so he has no power over me. He saw this man named Jesus. And see, remember what Psalm 143 says, that these spirits pursue and persecute our souls. They have a way of knowing what's in our souls. They were around when your soul was wounded. So they know what's going on inside your inner man. They have a way of recognizing it. But when they came upon this man named Jesus, this man was different from any man they had ever been around. He had no wound in his soul. So he had nothing in common with that spirit. And that's why he was begging Jesus, do not torment me. How many of you want a spirit to beg you not to torment it? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. It's going to happen when you get your souls healed. People think all you need is the cross. Now, I don't say that lightly, like all you need is the cross. My proposal is all we need is everything Jesus did. We desperately need the cross, but we also need the resurrection. Remember what I said. Jesus paid a full payment on the cross, a penalty for sin, sickness in your body, and sickness in your soul. But that payment doesn't go into effect without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, Jesus is dead in the tomb, and his payment is dead with him. You have to have the resurrection. You are baptized into Christ. Every believer has been baptized into Christ. That means you go down in death with him at the cross, and you come up. You come up to new life at the resurrection. But we're going in our closet and we're only partaking of the blood, the blood, the plead the blood, plead the blood, plead the blood, plead the blood around my house, plead the blood on myself, plead the blood on my children. That's great. Keep on doing it. I'm not, I'm not saying anything disparaging about that. But now we have to go, and now I plead dunamis. And now I partake of the other thing Jesus did. I decree my soul is excellent. That's what dunamis means. It comes from the resurrection. I'm filled with dunamis. I am excellent of soul. Jesus defeated the enemy with both the cross and the resurrection. He defeated the enemy with both the blood and the dunamis. Remember what it says about the, about the cross in, in Colossians 2. It says that he disarmed the powers and authorities, making a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them at the cross. So at the cross, Jesus made a fool of Satan, amen? He triumphed over Satan at the cross. And when you partake of the blood, you do the same thing. 
You're triumphing over Satan with the blood. But Jesus didn't just use the cross. He used dunamis power to defeat Satan also. Where does it say that? Acts 10, 38. It says that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and power, dunamis. And he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. See, he healed people who were having demons attack them with dunamis. Think about it. We've only been applying the blood, haven't we? Am I right? We've been doing the blood in the name of Jesus, right? The blood and then in Jesus' name depart spirit. The blood and then in the name of Jesus depart spirit, right? But we haven't been doing the dunamis, have we? But Jesus was anointed with power and he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He defeated the devil. He healed people who were being afflicted by the devil by releasing the dunamis anointing he was carrying. And what happened was, what does dunamis mean in the Greek? It means the power to perform a miracle and excellence of soul. So he was doing what? He was giving, he was releasing a power to perform a miracle so their body would be healed. But it was happening too because he was also releasing the power to cause that person to be excellent of soul. They were getting healed of the wounds they had in common with the demon that was on them. Okay, let's pray into what you just learned. Let's start with the blood. Put your hand on your heart and pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent for any sin that has wounded my soul and cause me to have something in common with the enemy. I ask that you would cleanse me of every trespass, every iniquity, every rebellion, and every sin, both known and unknown. And I forgive anyone that has wounded my soul by sinning against me. I also pray that you would forgive all the sins of my ancestors that would cause me to have something in common with the demonic kingdom. I decree the power of the cross is being released into my soul now, and I am forgiven in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're not done yet though, are we? Because we want everything Jesus did for us. So pray with me now. Say, Lord Jesus, now heal every wound in my soul that came from sin. I ask that you would fill my wounded soul with dunamis power. Dunamis means excellence of soul. I decree it. I am excellent of soul. Every wound inside of me that is in common with an evil spirit is getting healed right now by dunamis. Jesus said the prince of the world is coming, but he has nothing in me that's in common with him. So he has no power over me. I decree I have nothing in me that's in common with Satan. So he has no power over me. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can stay up to date with what we're doing at katiesouza.com or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. Thanks for spending your time with us. God bless.